Hello, hello. Hey, hey, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? Very good. Was just on mute speaking to myself very briefly. That's fine. <laughs> How's everything on your side? Uh, well, uh, you know, as usual, all is good, even though this week was kind of uh, <clears throat> overloaded with uh, all kinds of weird and not necessarily good news from all sides. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, so like, I, I don't know, I, I, I know that you bought a drill, so I hope it's not really... <laughs> I bought a drill, I, I spent half of yesterday trying to... I don't know how to do anything, I've realized, as I've gotten slightly older. And I bought a drill, and, and today I spent a bit of time drilling two holes into the wall that went without huge problems. So that was good. A good start, anyway. Oh, that's nice. Nice to hear. You're making progress. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's very good. <laughs> Uh, I, I actually uh, watched this TV show that's called The Boys. Did you see it? Uh, is that the one about the like superhero? Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of this very uh, alternative take on the superheroes who are actually kind of evil. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's starring uh, Carl uh, uh, Urban, who is uh, your uh, uh, countryman. He's from New Zealand, so... Oh, okay, yeah, and okay. I really like him. He, he, I think he's uh, he's very cool. And uh, yeah, so I'm like, wait a second, he's also from New Zealand. So I, I keep running into your countryman uh, in the <laughs> yeah entertainment industry. Yeah, so um, <laughs> so what we're going to talk about today? So first of all, um, yeah, like we're not going to discuss the news. Uh, you know, too much, but there are at least two things that I would like to talk about in the context of all of these uh, SEC suing basically everybody they can think about. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to focus on uh, our main topic tonight, which is Web3, uh, because first of all, as you know, in a couple of days, the Web3 uh, Berlin starts and our own uh, like community manager, Maxim Flaxel, is going to be there representing Beam. Uh, so this is like one uh, kind of important, uh, you know, uh, reason to talk about this topic. And also uh, on Saturday, there's going to be an event organized by Beam Africa, which is um, uh, like I'm going to speak there for a short period of time talking about Web3 as well. And in general, this is the topic that we have uh, mentioned previously, but we never kind of discussed it in depth. And uh, next week, I promise that we will give kind of more, um, you know, beam-related updates, the progress, and like some decisions that we need to make. So, um, yeah, so that's what we're going to uh, to talk about uh, today most of the time. But we cannot, uh, like, I, I really want, you know, to <laughs> to express some of the feelings I had about these. Um, news coming from from the states uh with the sec and uh i'm sure you follow this story as well yeah coming thick and fast as well <laughs> so for me like there are two things that stand out which i would like to kind of mention first of all i think this entire process is kind of disgusting like I, i'm really annoyed on how this uh develops so basically what's happening is that SEC is not just suing like Binance and, uh, uh, you know, who else are suing? Coin, Coinbase? Like, Coinbase, yeah. yeah. And uh, so, so it's not just like the fact that they're suing, it's also the, the way that they operate. 
listing some kind of bunch of random or, or so it seems projects as securities uh, without first determining some kind of a guiding principle to kind of you know try to organize and you know try to understand like how uh, how this list was even created like what's the criteria and also mixing a lot of different things like trading securities and also embezzling user funds and all that is like in one big pile of you know innuendo i don't know if it's true or not but in general this entire process seems very uh you know random and poorly organized and it's very clear that it's political in nature because you know the elections are coming and i don't know what exactly the plans of of you know gary gensler are but it, it's very much seems like it's done for mostly political purposes yeah and and this kind of I also feel like this because I saw, I forget who it was saying it or whatever, but it was talking about like, we want to get rid of these tax loopholes for all of the rich crypto traders. I saw that on some like a uh, campaign ad for someone. It's, it's really, it's really, uh, in my opinion, poor kind of approach to these very serious issues that affect a lot of people. Uh, and not just, you know, very rich crypto whales, but also regular people. And now, as a result uh, of these tactics, which are most, I think, appropriately could be described as FUD, uh, yeah. you see the listing of, you know, many like, dozens of tokens, and you see prices dropping for, like, all kinds of... Uh, uh, projects and, you know, the exchanges and BNB. So... It's like very, uh, they're firing in all directions. And in, even before this is actually discussed in court and, you know, there is a uh, uh, some organized kind of process that, you know, maybe eventually will lead to something. But even before it's actually discussed, what's happening is that uh, people just lose all kind of perception of what is going to happen and uh, uh, get scared get you know disoriented and start doing like selling things so it's not good in like there, there is no good way to to you know to characterize that it's, it's all messy and uh, very annoying the, the way that they're doing this yeah and and it's not like they've or at least i saw something i think it was coinbase how they said uh they'd requested from the sec to give them some guidance like so that they could operate within the regulations. And this was like a year or over a year ago. And the SEC has never replied and, and now they've turned around and come to them and, and suing them. It seems kind of preposterous. Totally. And the timing of it is very suspicious as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I really don't think the government should act this way, uh, regardless of like who is right and who is wrong. And uh, once again, I'm not picking sides here. Like, I, I mean, it's not that I like Binance particularly, or definitely I don't like think that SEC has a good point here, but uh, the, very, the very way that they're approaching this uh, is doing much more harm for everyone eventually, regardless of the outcome. Yeah, exactly. And And like, as I understand that the SEC's like main goal is supposed to be protecting like retail investors, which makes it fairly ironic. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So the second kind of thing that jumped uh, out of, like, you know, stood out for me is how different uh, projects and different uh, uh, groups within the crypto industry reacted to, to these news. Uh, and I, I, I really was fascinated by the variety of different responses. And um, uh, so let's start with the Bitcoin uh, maximalists who said, yeah, you know, let's get rid of all, all the alt altcoins and just focus on Bitcoin. Uh, and it's like, yeah. okay, very funny because, you know, uh, I think that the price of Bitcoin is also affected by the fact that, you know, there is a, a lot of additional projects and ecosystem, a lot of investments, a lot of people got interested in crypto, not just because of Bitcoin, but also because of other projects. And now it's like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, all of these projects, they're security. Yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, you know, regulate them out, get rid of them. Uh, let's focus on Bitcoin and just, you know, let, let the Bitcoin remain there and everybody else should go. That's, that's what's very funny. Yeah. Uh, completely, uh, <laughs> you know, like every man for himself. Like not wait a second, let's, you know, let's see like what is crypto, what is this, what is that. No, no, that's fine. Yeah, you, you just get rid of all the altcoins and we'll be fine here. Uh, that was amazing. Um, there were approaches of... Obviously, Monero, uh, you know, like, yeah, it's not that exchanges delisted Monero. No, no, Monero got rid of exchanges. And I mean, yeah, it's a good marketing tactic, but come on, it's not really true. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not like Monero called an exchange and said, yeah, please delist us. No, that's, that's not what happened. Uh, so you see all of these uh, projects that uh, are trying to understand, like, Okay, so wait a second. If this is a security, how how come you know Ethereum is not a security? I mean, it's proof of stake, but it's exactly this point where uh, it's political because you know you do want to attack crypto without alienating kind of too many people in a in a way. Yeah, so you don't touch you don't do not touch Bitcoin, you don't touch Ethereum, but you kind of go and uh, uh, you know. Talk about uh, Cardano uh, or Cardanzo, as it is now known, uh, <laughs> and, and you know other projects that are smaller and maybe have kind of less influence in the space. So yeah, you you start with those. You don't touch the big boys, right? You you avoid them for now. That's yeah. Hilarious. yeah. Um, so so yeah, a lot of projects reacted uh, differently. Some said, "Oh, but we have already talked to SEC, and now we're fine," and all of this kind of uh, weird uh, lingo. Uh, so in terms of Beam, I mean, uh, yeah, we're, we're very small. We have been delisted before. Uh, you know, the this entire uh, kind of swing, everybody uh, story broke out. But uh, I, I think we we will not uh, try to hide the fact that we are in fact a privacy coin. We're definitely not a security. Even though, did you did you hear this argument why Dash is a security, even though it's uh, uh, it's proof of work? I didn't. No. It was very it was very strange. The argument was that there is uh, like a DAO, um, not DAO, um, uh, somebody that kind of governs Dash, and that they are publishing basically what we are doing, new developments, things that are improving. And the very fact that they, that's what they're doing, it means that the holders of, the, uh, of Dash um, kind of expect it to increase in value. And that's what makes it a mm -hmm. security. 
That's so yeah, okay. So it's very yeah, strange. So, so if I'm holding like <laughs> I don't know US dollars, and then the government of the United States says, "Oh, we're doing this and that, and we're developing the country," and I'm like expecting the value of the dollar to become stronger, let's say, like now what? Is it the security as well? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really uh, arbitrary. So yeah, I understand why when people are staking something and they expect to get profit just from staking, it may be that in this specific case it's kind of similar, even though. As we all know, these tests this, uh, were developed, I don't know, uh, about 100 years ago or so, like with yeah. many aspects. But still, uh, I, I can understand it, but it doesn't mean that the underlying asset itself is a security. Yes, like when I stake, just like when I use US dollars to buy, I don't know, stocks or options, I'm buying a security with US dollars, but it doesn't mean that the dollar itself is a security at this regard. So yeah, like when you stake Ethereum, when you stake any coin, uh, maybe like, you know, whatever you're getting in return, the LP token or the staking token is a security, but not the coin itself. So yeah, it's very, uh, you know, very arbitrary sounding. Yeah. And I I feel like this is almost a strategy of theirs, like, and, and why they haven't given any like guidelines and definitive regulations, like, crypto specifics so that they can kind of schmooze around and and do as they please uh rather than like be overt and yeah. how the yeah. regulations actually are it's a well-known tactic but the problem is that it is usually used by let's say kind of less um uh, <laughs> yeah i mean i mean i mean i i i know about examples of like laws that are uh Kind of accepted in very vague uh, wording, so that you can then later apply it on the ground to whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, but in this specific case, it's, it's, it's even not that. It's just basically here's the list of things, here's the list of coins that we consider a security. You know. It's weird, and uh, like it. This I was just thinking this before the the space kicked off. Like as I understand, the SEC has a lawsuit that's currently ongoing between them and xrp ripple yeah and like maybe i i don't know but i thought maybe this is like an indication of how they're feeling with regards to that by going and calling out more coins as securities and and this kind of thing i have no idea just speculation on my part i really don't know uh i'm not following this specific case but what i do know is that it's going on for a while now yeah yeah and there is no, as far as I know, definitive uh, resolution one way or the other. So, you know, yeah, very weird. Uh, and they're producing all kinds of internal communications between CZ and other uh, kind of Binance executives and all that yeah. is very, uh, you know, like it's not appropriate to, to, to handle things this way. Uh, let's say regardless of what my thoughts about Binance or whatever are, I hope that it doesn't work out well for the SEC just because I don't think these practices are good for yeah. for the industry in general and you know anyone. Um, like I, I don't want them to succeed in this because this means that you can just throw out some accusations and you know basically kill uh, major players in the industry or uh, you know severely harm them. Uh, even though specifically I, because you know Binance and uh, Coinbase they took two different approaches in like the coin. Coinbase is taking the stand of, you know, we, we stand with crypto, we're going to fight this. And Binance is uh, uh, basically moving out of US. So they're delisting a lot of pairs and uh, 
kind of closing the, or, or at least not trying to actively fight the U.S. operations. And the reason for that is I think that the Binance's U.S. operations is only a small part of their entire operation. Yeah. However, in, for Coinbase, it's, I think, a kind of more important um, market and they do not want to just... Uh, you know, abandon it immediately after after this is uh, you know, just this attack. So yeah, like I think that's the one of the key differences between what Binance is doing right now and what uh, Coinbase is trying to to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. And and like it is good to see that Coinbase. I, I I mean, I'm with you on on like I don't really not massive supporter of Binance nor Coinbase. I I couldn't really care. But in this case, I would I would far rather see them like push back and and succeed because it it's really been gone about in such a strange fashion and and not a good like precedence to set for the industry as a whole. Absolutely. Despite thinking that like a lot of this stuff like trading and and that kind of thing will move to like DEXs, which has already been happening over the past few years. Uh, and expect it to happen more. Centralized exchanges do still provide like a a good service and a service that people, whoever they are, require and like and enjoy and whatever. And and they should, in my opinion, be like free to use them without too too much trouble as as they're getting at the moment, at least. Totally. No, I I, I agree. And uh, you know, obviously we will follow the development of the story but uh yeah so far it looks kind of very political attack okay so um yeah so, so once again uh let's kind of try to move on to the more um you know optimistic topics for now and uh, uh let's talk about web3 and um what i would like to do is kind of try to uh, make a case that beam can be a very interesting platform to build Web3 applications, like in general. And um, uh, I, I will start by giving kind of my understanding of, of what Web3 is, because this uh, term, like many terms in crypto, is used very uh, widely and with vastly different meanings uh, all around. So for me, the importance of Web3 is um, moving off centralized servers and data storage, which currently is mostly uh, owned by big corporations. So whenever you're using Twitter or Facebook or any social media platform, all of the data, all of the user-generated content uh, is stored by and owned de facto by, uh, by the corporations that are operating these services. And um, this is one of the things that uh, Web3, in my opinion, is trying to solve. Like Web2 is amazing, right? We have been using it for the last 20 years, everything related to uh, very high level of interactivity, uh, fast and uh, sophisticated applications um, that you run in your browser and all of them communicate with, with the service that provides the infrastructure for the data. But one of the major problems that at first was relatively small, but then you know over the years it became a major issue is whether you trust uh, your service providers, and I'm talking about you know, you know Amazon and Google and all of these uh, big infrastructure providers, as well as the companies that actually operate the services with your data, whether you trust them with your data, whether you 
uh, trust that you know what they're trying to do with it, whether you actually own your own creations and your own data. So this is all of these questions, they have been uh, out there for a while. But with the emergence of the blockchain technologies and the crypto, it became kind of uh, obvious that we can use an approach that is very similar to what Bitcoin did with with, with money, right? You don't have to trust. You can verify and you have, you can have a decentralized system uh, that doesn't rely on any one large organizational government uh, for making all the decisions. So you can take the same approach, but apply it to different areas, which are not necessarily financial applications, but rather any kind of web application in general. And this was the first and, in my opinion, still most important value proposition of Web3, right? Yeah. And in Web3 today, you have several kind of different um, approaches. So like, once again, it's a scale, right? So how decentralized you want to make it, how you want to use the blockchain in this specific scenario. And I'm going to talk about several things. And obviously, uh, one of the most important parts of this is privacy, uh, as, you know, as it is in, in most cases. But what is interesting, and, and I find it fascinating, when people are trading, let's say, uh, you know, on DeFi, on Ethereum, uh -huh. somehow they're much uh, more eager to give up their privacy than when you're talking about non-financial things like their, you know, their data or their kind of personal information or their documents or whatever. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah. Yeah. It's strange, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's, some, it's somewhere because somehow people still don't treat crypto as money because no one would ever like really I, I i hardly can imagine someone who would say yeah i have no problem tweeting my bank statement yeah however that's exactly what they're doing every day when they're trading on ethereum or kind of holding you know wallets on ethereum or any other uh, uh non-private ecosystem in general yeah so there is this kind of perceptual gap between money, money, like the one that you, you have in the bank and, and your holdings in crypto. And also, uh, like when you move out of this domain, when you move into the more kind of non-financial applications, uh, what about uh, my, uh, I don't know, uh, friends, uh, like right on, on Facebook, do you want everyone to be able to see them? Not necessarily. And like yeah. the, the second you get out is um, crypto finances, you, you see that there is much more demand for privacy uh, in, in these non-financial applications. Okay, yeah. So that's the premise. Now, uh, in order to make Web3 work, what you need is, first of all, you need smart contracts because that's the way you interact with the blockchain. It's very difficult to create Web3 applications with Bitcoin or Monero for that uh, purpose. So yes, it's, you know, these networks are great for transferring value, but if you want, uh, to have any other kind of uh, more uh, you know, sophisticated application, then you will need smart contracts that implement some kind of uh, logic on-chain. Uh, then you need smart contract support. And then it's a question of uh, how do you interact with this system and how, like, how decentralized is it? Like if you're talking about proper Web3, which is the ideas that you have, your, you know, your keys, your coins and your data, and you have more 
sovereignty about like how you uh, can access this information and what you can do with it. Uh, so it's also important to have more and more components of the system decentralized. So yes, you have the smart contracts on chain that store the data, do all the business logic, but it would be also nice to have decentralized frontends, which do not necessarily rely on uh, you know, existing web infrastructures that's once again operated by a single operator. And we see this all the time in the financial world where uh, when Uniswap or any other kind of protocol wants to censor something, they, only, they can only censor it on the front end. Yeah, sure. Which is what they do. Uh, so yeah, you would like to have more decentralized front ends as well. Yeah. And this like this brings me back to not to not to divert too much, but this is one of the things that I liked about Liquidity when they launched is that they had like open sourced the UI and, and had a bunch of different providers for the UI, which I thought was really cool. And I'm surprised that more applications in crypto aren't focusing on the UI like Beam is, is doing. Liquid is a great example because not only that they had these options, but they also incentivized them. Yeah, yeah. They incentivized the operators of front-ends uh, and gave them uh, part of the uh, trading fees just for operating those front-ends, which I think is a great idea. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, so... Uh, Whenever you have a properly incentivized system, it's obviously much better than just either relying on a centralized entity or relying on people who will do it out of their, you know, uh, their heart. Their, yeah, yeah. <laughs> volunteers. Like, not, not that I underestimate that, but uh, I think properly constructed incentivization scheme is, is always uh, a good idea. Yeah, so when we think about Web3 in this uh in this way, I think what we have now in Beam is a very um, comprehensive solution because we have layer one blockchain, which is confidential by default. We have smart contracts and uh, we have decentralized application frontends that can work with those smart contracts in many different settings, starting from like inside our desktop wallets, but also as web pages, which have embedded Beam wallet as a component that can directly interact with the blockchain and mobile wallets as well. So we have these uh, many different clients that we can support in, in, in this regard. We have IPFS integration, which means that you can store data in, once again, probably not going to be at the same scale as you can do now on Amazon or Google, uh, but it is a possibility to do that. And if you're keys and it's your funds and it's your data, right? So you, you have more control. Um, back in the day, we, we did this uh, experiment that I came, like a, I, I constantly, uh, you know, uh, recall and uh, I, because I, I really I really think it's, it's a great product and uh, maybe one day we will somehow uh, bring it to life, but it, the decentralized uh, GitHub, right? So GitHub today is the top provider of, uh, uh, version control services for open source projects, yeah. uh, which is very interesting because there is a GitHub and GitLab, which are two major kind of Git services providers. The GitHub is closed source owned by Microsoft, but it actually caters to most of the open source projects, unlike GitLab, which is open source, but it is mostly sold for corporations. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. know that. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it's very it's very interesting. And yeah. GitLab is not really interested in like GitLab. What they're doing, they're selling um, on-premise solution. Let's say you have a big company, you want your own Git servers. Uh, so that's what like GitLab uh, sells. They have an open source product, and then they sell professional services. Wow. Yeah, and we we try to talk to them, uh, or like not exactly to them, but we talked to somebody who was uh, working there once, who was familiar with the practices, and they said, listen, it was in the context of source, which was this effort that we had, like this proof of concept of decentralized GitHub, and uh, they said, no, they will not be interested because they're mostly uh, oriented for like corporate markets and uh, big okay. sales. Yeah. Uh, however, GitHub being owned by Microsoft and being centralized uh, has exactly this problem of, you know, you're not in control of your data. You're, you're not, you, you can be the platform, you can be censored. It happens relatively, uh, you know, it's, it's a rare occasion, but it does happen every once in a while. I think the most well-known example is uh, Tornado Cash uh, from the recent times. Uh, as you remember, when, when Tornado Cash was added to the offer list, it was uh, immediately removed from GitHub. Yeah. Uh, after a long fight and, you know, people re-uploading the code and all that, like it was removed, I think, but uh, because the code, after all, is free speech and is protected under free speech laws. But you could really see the, the, the problem here, right? So mm -hmm. what we did in Beam, it was really fascinating because we used all of the components that we already had. We didn't develop anything new at all. Okay. We use the IPFS integration from the NFT marketplace. Yeah. Uh, we use the uh, the kind of wallet, uh, and we just integrated it with uh, uh, existing uh, Git uh, API. And mm -hmm. the result was that you are using exactly the same protocol as you would as a, you know usually. For the developer, it made almost no kind of change, and when you did your commit and then push to the repository, what happened is that all of the data was stored with the IPFS and all of the metadata was actually stored in the smart contract on chain. Okay, yeah. Right. Now, one of the questions that everybody said when we approached them with this idea, they said, wait a second, what about the transaction fees? Yeah. And this is something that I really like to kind of promote and talk about because it's a very unique feature of BIM. Uh, at the moment, at least, is that the smart contract on Beam can subsidize transaction fees. Yeah. Which means that you can use it very similar to how you would use the regular GitHub. You pay some kind of monthly subscription for X amount of transactions. This is exactly, for example, how GitHub Actions, which is this uh, uh, CI/CD continuous integration framework that they have works. You buy okay. a number of kind of operations. And then uh, your users do not have to know anything about Beam, to, you know, they don't have to think about fees. Uh, everything works automatically because the smart contract subsidizes those transactions. Yeah, this is very cool. And, and like, like we've discussed before, but very good for like onboarding new users and, and something that I think crypto will be in the future like certain aspects of crypto anyway, they'll be kind of operating in the background without you necessarily being super aware of what they are and how they operate and, and this kind of thing. But it's kind of abstracted away uh, to get the benefits of decentralization without the kind of overhead of 
more difficult, I would say, Absolutely. put it nicely, user that, analytics. That's the challenge. You don't yeah. want to, you know, make your users aware because just like you use Twitter and you don't know how the mm-hmm. backend works and you don't know how the, uh, you know, infrastructure and which language is implemented in and all these details, they're just technical details. You just use it and that's it. So we want to reach the same exact experience with uh, blockchain. Yeah. And uh, the only difference is that, once again, it's about uh, self-sovereignty. It's about you owning the keys and you owning the data as a result. Exactly. Um, yeah, so, so this is the challenge, or at least one of the challenges that um, Web3 needs to solve. By the way, a lot of um, current attempts in, in the Web3 space is about trying to imitate what current Web2 projects are doing. So let's build a decentralized Twitter. Let's build a decentralized Facebook, right? Yeah. And this is complete speculation, but I think it cannot really exactly work like that. Yeah. Uh, For several reasons, not just technological. So there are technological reasons why when you are building let's say, whatever, Twitter, right? You need massive amounts of storage. You need super fast synchronization. Uh, sometimes it's amazing because like my wife tweets something and I'm sitting like next to her and I, I see that the second, like the very moment that she presses tweet, I, I, I get a notification on my phone. Uh, it's, very, it's unbelievable, right? But hmm. the reason it works like that is because there are massive resources behind it that make it happen. So yeah. it's very difficult to imitate or replicate the same exact behavior in the at least existing blockchain technologies. But the technical reason aside, there is another interesting reason. I I watched this video. Uh, I will send the link to it. Um, uh, This guy that I really like to to watch on YouTube. Um, So he explained how one of the things that are happening right now because of the rising uh, interest rates, it's much more difficult for companies that build, are built for growth, which basically rely on continuous investments to, to grow. Uh, and most platforms are like that. They say, yeah, we just need to acquire enough users and then maybe we will be profitable. Twitter, Twitch, uh, Reddit, uh, all of these platforms, they are, kind of, and you know, many more, they're built uh, using this model of, uh, we will grow, we will grow. While we're growing, we will spend more that we're you know, bringing in. Basically be not profitable, but rather like lose money until we reach a certain critical mass of, of users and then we will be profitable. Yeah. However, now that the money is much more expensive because of the interest rates, uh, these platforms understand that it will be much more difficult for them to raise the next X amount of you know millions of dollars that they need to keep growing. And now they're trying to find uh, more kind of monetization options and try to improve the situation. And as a result, they're making all of these very strange and sometimes destructive decisions. Like, for example, uh, he's talking about Reddit, which uh, uh, set the API prices so high that it's not practical for external applications that are uh, used uh, both as you know to access Reddit, but also as uh, uh, community monitoring tools and. Uh, uh, all, all other tools that are used by Reddit users, uh, they, they cannot continue to, to operate under these prices. And that basically means that people will have to either 
you know, leave Reddit or do something else. So the reason they're doing this is because they suddenly have this real need to find monetization quickly. Okay. So what I'm trying to say here is that these models that we uh, see and we're accustomed to, especially on social media, are not necessarily viable in the world when you cannot just basically get continuous investment. Yeah. And, and so like with the interest rates being hiked, there's a lot less money like sloshing around looking for these opportunities. And Yeah. So, I mean, it would be nice to be able to show a business model that shows profits not after I don't know how many years, but rather can, yeah. maybe not immediately, but at least in observable future. So yeah. that, that's why I think that when Web3 tries to just replicate those Web2 models, it will not succeed because in Web3, when you're using blockchain, uh, yeah, you can subsidize a certain amount of transactions, et cetera, but it's much more uh, kind of immediate. So yeah, I don't think it should try to do this. Uh, also in terms of how much storage and how much, so for example, like on Twitter, you can just, you know, upload as many tweets and as many images that you want and it will be fine. Yeah. Right. So nobody will say, wait a second, like you, we need to pay for your storage or like, how does it work? Twitter kind of absorbs all of these costs for yeah. you. Yeah. And yeah. This was something that like, I never thought about this until recently and it was i think it was after elon musk took over twitter and then he said like they're increasing the size of videos you can upload to twitter and i thought like why would you why would you limit such a thing and then i thought of course like if you're not paying for the video to be online someone else is paying and and of course it's the company you're uploading it to whether it's youtube or twitter or or whatever did you know, by the way, that YouTube is actually paying uh, for all the songs? Like, let's say you, you record a video and there is a song in the background. Yeah. YouTube is actually paying royalties for you. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know. I did not. You remember, you remember there was a time they, they were blocking videos because there was some specific song playing? Yeah. And at some point they stopped doing that. The reason they stopped doing that is because they understood that it's much more effective for them to get some kind of a blanket deal uh, you know, with huge discount with the with the whatever organizations are responsible uh, for those rights, and then allow you as a user freedom to create more videos. That's how they profit more instead of like blocking you and detecting you and doing all of this uh, annoying stuff. Yeah, so that's what they did basically. Oh wow, that's interesting. Because I guess also there's a, like a very large cost in in looking at all the videos or not <laughs> looking at all of them, but. Yeah, it's enormous. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Now, when you move to the blockchain world, uh, the entire model uh, changes completely. You can no longer, you know, just think about, yeah, somebody will, will subsidize everything I'm doing. That's not how it works, right? So it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is different from what people are used to. And I'm not sure that it will not be immediate, right? People are really used to getting free stuff everywhere. Yeah. Online. Now, on blockchain, nothing is free. No. Uh, yes, you can, you can do all kinds of schemes as you subsidize some, some of the transactions, but still the experience is very much different. Somebody needs to, to have the source. And somebody needs to have this traffic, and somebody needs to, you know, 
provide all of, all of the access. And so, yeah, there, there are a lot of open questions of how this architecture can work, especially when it, it is properly decentralized, uh, because you need to also reach consensus, you need to uh, you need time for you know the block to be created and the propagation and you know confirmations. All of these things are still valid in the Web three world. However, there are a lot of interesting techniques, in my opinion, that can be employed to make this experience much uh, smoother for, for the end user. And eventually, and this is the argument that uh, I, I think I, that's what I, my take was from that the video that I saw is that. It would have broken eventually. Never doesn't matter if Web two or Web three, but this practice of just paying for the users with investors' money endlessly cannot go on forever. Obviously, right? So it, at some point, it had to stop. Yeah. Uh, and then you know only the platforms that are actually economically viable can can survive that. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is, I think, what so, so the change is coming anyway. And I think that Web three has this. Um, opportunity of saying, listen, yes, it's not going to be as convenient for you as it was when you just went to Facebook and you know did whatever you wanted and somebody paid for you. However, you will be in more control over your data and over what is happening to it. And I think there is a lot of, um, uh, I would say, like people are getting tired of this situation where they don't really own anything and like in terms of the data they create, somebody can use it any way they want. So this is one of the sentiments, at least, that, that is driving Web3 right now, uh, is that, listen, like you see, you cannot trust these, these corporations. They will sell your data, and we saw infinite amount of examples of that. Uh, I'm not talking just about you know, advertising, but obviously, whatever, like uh, high speed, uh, political campaigns, we saw that with this Facebook uh, uh, story that was very loud a couple of years ago, um, Cambridge Analytics and all of these, uh, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. So th th that's the the value proposition of Web three today. Like, listen, it's it's time for you to take control, but it also comes just like in in crypto, uh, it comes with this price of you have you will have to to do more. Yeah, absolutely, and. <clears throat> Excuse me. But like yeah. one thing I've noticed on this front, like uh, more so recently, I guess, is that a lot of stuff is switching to a kind of subscription model, whether it's Twitter. I think now they you can pay eight bucks or whatever it is and get the blue tick or uh, there was a bunch of others that I was going to say and now I've forgotten them all. Um, <laughs> like uh, TV on demand, like Netflix or Amazon, even Telegram, I believe you can have like some premium account where you pay monthly and you can put two emojis or something and Discord, of course. Like I, I feel that this kind of, I don't like it. I hate it. I like stuff to be free. But but I feel like this kind of uh, subscription model or, or whatever, however is best to call it, is becoming more kind of accepted for a better experience. And and I hope that this like Web3 and, and crypto stuff can kind of use this as a as an advantage for themselves as well. Like people are OK to pay for a better service and okay to pay maybe for a better like system and, and that kind of thing and, and owning their own data, owning their own uh, 
yeah like having control over their data yeah so what what we we see is that these models are definitely evolving over the years and uh, some of these evolutions or some of these versions are successful and some are not uh, netflix for example right i i'm i'm paying currently for netflix mostly because my daughter uh, uses it yeah but Netflix is crazy annoying because it's unpredictable. You go in there and sometimes you can you know, find some TV show and sometimes you can't and sometimes something that you found yesterday is no longer there, right? <laughs> yeah, this is right, yeah. So for Spotify, it's much better. And we, we see all these different variations, but all of that, regardless of the specific model, is better than what we had previously before the streaming services became popular because it was either you go to the store and buy this DVD and if you wanted tomorrow on a different format, you will have to buy it again and again and again, uh, or you pirate, right? So that was the alternative. Yeah. Or but you go to Blockbuster. you say, wait a second, I, I can pirate still if I want to, but I mean, come on, like I, I can just pay, I don't know, small amount of or reasonable amount of, of dollars per month and get this with much better quality. And when I get more value as a paying customer than I do as as a pirate, then yes, obviously, uh, I, I, I would prefer to pay. And this is exactly the point with most, most services. So what's Telegram doing and what's Twitter doing with these blue marks and premium subscriptions? They're trying to say, yeah, we still want the service to be free because we need, like we want the mass of the users still there. We don't want to scare anyone away. Uh, but we also allow you to stand out a little bit but, and also provide some revenue. I'm not sure exactly how much in either case, uh, Twitter or Telegram, how much value that they get from those paying users, like what percentage of the cost it even covers, yeah, and and how this thing works. But uh, uh, it's a classic freemium model when you provide most of the service for free, and then if you want some premium features, you you pay you pay extra. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I I I I actually. And strangely, and we'll probably stop doing it soon. I pay for Twitter and I pay for Telegram, but but I felt like when it came out, I wasn't so interested in the like uh, getting to post longer tweets or whatever. I don't even know what it is that I get, but I I felt kind of like not I owed them anything, but I kind of felt like hey, they'd been giving like a pretty good service for free exactly. for like five, six, seven years or whatever. I don't mind paying them five, ten dollars or whatever a month for and until I change bank card or whatever and then it all gets cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty much my reasoning. Like I don't mind it. They've they've done good. I enjoy it. I use it. Uh whatever. Uh yes, this is uh, this was interestingly an argument uh, for uh Someone who who is popular on YouTube, he has like a you know channel that he he's uh, talking about all kinds of things. He said, uh, "I don't mind uh, you blocking ads on YouTube because the truth is that I only get really kind of pennies uh, for you watching ads. However, you actually spend huge amount of your time watching those ads. And I mean, it would be better if you just once in a month or two months or whatever gave me a donation of one dollar." directly to the to the creator and instead of watching all of these ads during this entire time yeah 
Which, by the way, interestingly, is also a um, a model that I don't think is going to survive necessarily the Web3 revolution. But maybe it will. I don't know. But this uh, uh, use this thing for free, uh, but you were going to get a lot of ads in in return. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, personally, uh, I, I I use an ad blocker, um, <laughs> yeah. then, but every once in a while, when I'm on somebody else's machine or a public machine, and I just kind of open the same website that I'm used to opening, and I see how many ads are actually there, I get really uh, <laughs> scared. Yeah, I I had this recently with Spotify because my the card that I'd signed up for expired or something like that. And now I was getting all of these ads and like, I I feel like I would have been okay if I never had of experienced Spotify <laughs> without the ads, but going from like ads and then no ads for a long period of time. And then like back to now we have ads all the time, which was very like, I mean, reminded me a lot when it happened of like watching television when I was a kid. Like every, you watch a 30 minute program and, and half of it almost is like ads. <laughs> it's, it's funny that it, it, it's actually a distant memory that people do it still yeah. today, but I, I didn't watch television for a long time. So, no. Uh, I, I think that the only time that I watch television is when I'm waiting for an appointment in my. Uh, uh, like a doctor's kind of office, like they have this TV on once in a while. Like when, yeah, but it's crazy. Um, so I think we get we got a little bit off uh, off track here, but uh, just moving back to this Web three point. So what we have been, what I've been saying at least, like try to say for for this long period of time, is that I think that Web three proposition is very interesting in terms of giving users more control over the data that they definitely and I definitely don't trust uh, these corporations that currently provide these services with. However, I don't believe we should try to imitate exactly the same business models and architectural models that they're using, but rather try to find something different that will work eventually for everyone. And I think that in or like in terms of infrastructure, Beam currently has a lot of interesting possibilities to both integrate with and build on top of. So what we're doing right now, uh, and this is something that I've, I've been, you know, I needed to do for a long time ago, but now it's, uh, uh, we have the Web3 Berlin and we also have some projects that are interested in you know, trying to integrate with Beam. So I'm working on this Beam integration guide, which should cover different ways that uh, projects can integrate with Beam today. And uh, right now, there are two, two lanes or two main options. One is Web2, Web2 integration, which is what exchanges and payment service providers use today. And this means taking Beam API wallet, integrating it in, in the backend of your service. And the reason it is Web2, because the users still authenticate with your service with uh, regular credentials, such as uh, username, password, or social login, and they work with your service, and then your service uh, contacts uh, the blockchain via Beam Wallet API, and that's how this works. And the second more interesting option is the Web3 integration, which requires building applications on top of Beam, and uh, it can be either as a web page, which integrates Beam Wallet inside the web page as a WebAssembly component, 
And this is how currently uh, the DEX works. If you go to the dex.beam.mw, this is how it works. And we are now lining up all of the applications to work in exactly the same way so that you can use them with the web wallet. Uh, but you can actually build any website uh, and just integrate Beam Wallet into the website. And then you immediately get these Web3 capabilities, uh, either by accessing the data on the blockchain or you know, just also if you add the secret keys through web wallet or whatever, you can also make transactions uh, and do uh, perform changes and do all, all kinds of interesting things. So this is the guide that we, like I, I hope to finish uh, during the, tomorrow and uh, then we will use it as, uh, uh, you know, during the Web3 uh, Berlin, we will try to find projects in the Web3 area that could be interested in building on top of BIM. And it will be used as this kind of uh, document uh, that will explain how it can be done and guide the developers uh, to you know, start engaging with, with being infrastructure. So that's the, that's the goal. Absolutely. And, and I think like you mentioned earlier is that like at least for many people in crypto, it's far more kind of tangible, this need for privacy within social applications and, and stuff outside of uh, purely like money and, and trade and this kind of thing. So I think that at least personally, I would love to see more Web3 protocols focusing on privacy and, and also like Beam getting some adoption with some of these Web3 protocols as well. Yeah. So uh, first of all, uh, I, I will be following obviously what's happening in Web3 Berlin uh, and try to kind of understand where, uh, where, where the industry is going. Uh, and uh, uh, I would really ask you to, if you encounter any interesting Web3 protocols or projects, uh, please kind of send them to us and uh, like in general, send them in, in, you know, in Twitter and Telegram uh, so we can discuss them, so we can see uh, for just, just discussing how such protocols or applications can be integrated with Beam uh, will raise a lot of interesting questions. What do we need to add in terms of the infrastructure? What do we already have? How we can do that? And I think it will be beneficial for, for the project in the long term, because as much as we're focused on privacy and you know, DeFi today, I think in the future, uh, we would also benefit from integrating with various Web3 projects and applications as well. And it will give us more uh, interesting opportunities in terms of, you know, kind of make, making Beam infrastructure uh, useful and eventually beneficial for the entire ecosystem. Absolutely. And I think this is exciting, like very excited about the like DeFi applications that we already have here and, and more excited about the future in, in both DeFi and, and Web3 social kind of space as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Did we have any questions throughout? Uh... We did. We did. We did. Actually, I was, I was meant to bring them up before. Let's go through them quickly. We have number one, can BMX get listed on CoinGecko slash CoinMarketCap? Uh, okay, so in order to list uh, BMX, we need to, like on, on CoinMarketCap, we need to provide this API for the DEX that allows you to show the price. Uh, 
Uh, so, so yeah, it's like on, on the to-do list and we're, we're working on that. It's part of the uh, Blockchain Explorer actually that is moving slowly, but the first uh, parts that, uh, like the first improvements are already in the testing and been released to Dubnet. Uh, so yeah, we, we're working on that, but that's what's required. We cannot list a coin on CoinMarketCap un unless it has some kind of a price feed uh, from yes. somewhere. Wicked, and that makes sense. The second question we had were probably too big a, a question to cover now, but we can cover next week if, if need be. And it is web and mobile update status. Yeah, so as I said, uh, next week we were going to, to do a more organized update about all of the, all of the projects that are currently in development in, in Beam. So what I can say about the mobile is that first of all, the iOS is going to be released very soon and it will have a working uh, applic dubs. You know, we, we managed to, to solve all of the issues there. However, with the Android, we uh, are a little bit stuck. There is something not working there at the moment. Uh, once again, the wallet will be updated, but what everybody's waiting for is the uh, access to the sender's applications. Uh, and there we have some issues at the moment. So iOS, we're going to release, I think, maybe tomorrow, maybe early next week, but because it's ready, but the Android is going to take a bit longer. Wicked. And as an iOS user, I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we get something first for once. Uh, the, the last one is, is an interesting question and, and very related to what we discussed today, actually. And that is, how would Beam push out updates if the government or governments would take down the website and get help? Oh, uh, it's a great <laughs> question. Yeah. This is when I finally will say, and now we need source, which is a decentralized <laughs> GitHub, and yeah. we will finally build it and make it happen because, you know, it's just... It's working. I mean, it's just there. It's just sitting there in the repo on GitHub, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but that's exactly what we're going to do is uh, uh, we will utilize the uh, IPFS integration that we already have and uh, the decentralized app store that we already have working. And we will just uh, extend it a little bit and then use it to uh, store all the source code there and uh, promote the updates through through uh, our decentralized tools that cannot be taken down. So, yeah. Absolutely. I'm positive to say that we're better positioned or Beam is better positioned than many crypto projects, like if that were to happen. I mean, hopefully yeah, it doesn't. Like, it, it's not like, uh, I, I mean, yeah, it would be a hassle, uh, but... Uh, first of all, personally, I will not be surprised, and also I will not be uh, like, uh, uh, you know, yeah, okay, that happened, and now we know what to do. Let's move, let's move everything to our systems. Yeah, and uh, yeah, for sure. Wicked, Alex. <laughs> as always, it's been an absolute pleasure. I think we covered so much on the, like, even on the recent regulations and with the SEC with a lot of what's happening in, in Web3 and, and how Beam is positioned there. It's been yeah, fun. so just to, to kind of, uh, you know, towards the end, uh, let's support uh, Martin Parcel going to Web3 Berlin and, uh, uh, you know, 
thank you for doing that and uh, we, we will try to uh, make as much impact there as possible and also there is a beam africa event that i highly recommend attending uh, i will be there talking about uh, these topics of web3 and beam and privacy and uh, yeah uh, so let's let's do that and uh, well see you next week as usual with uh rd updates and much more wicked thank you yeah Thank you. See you guys. See you next week. Bye-bye.